When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. My name is Brian Stone, Georgia Southern writer for Underdog Dynasty, joined once again by Zeke Palermo, Georgia State writer for the site. Zeke, it was a it was a an interesting weekend. In the Sun Belt, uh, we have no longer any undefeated uh, overall record Sun Belt teams. Uh, yeah, it just seems like the uh, the conference is sort of like a meat grinder this year, just chewing everybody up a little bit. Yeah, um, uh, just looking up and down the slate, I mean, through the six games, I think there's only really one game that had an outcome that um, neither you or I could have really for- – or there's only one game that did go as expected. Um, so it was a fun weekend. Uh, you know, tough to see James Madison, as we'll talk about later, tough to see them lose because they fall out of the top 25. But it was an exciting weekend and uh, one I'm excited to talk about. For sure. Uh, so let's start with Wednesday. Uh, Louisiana faced off with Marshall in uh, Huntington, West Virginia. Uh, Louisiana was able to pull out a uh, 23 to 13 win. Uh, neither of the offenses are going to set the world on fire. Um, you know, Ben Woldridge played good uh, for Louisiana for what he was sort of asked to do through a couple of touchdowns, uh, no picks. So uh, good, good going there. Uh, but Marshall just continues to struggle to throw the football. Uh, Henry Columby and Cam Fancher combined didn't really play all that well um they they continue to be able to run the ball well with Laybourne, but they're they're sort of like a one-dimensional football team and it's really starting to to kind of come back to bite them yeah uh, louisiana obviously it's a huge win for them because now even though they have two conference losses they now are still a little bit in the mix um for making the championship game out of the west um obviously losing to south alabama they're quite a long shot, but they're still in the mix now that they've won a game, especially with a, a fairly easier schedule between Arkansas State and Southern Miss coming over coming up over the next couple of weeks. Um, and then as for Marshall, I mean, this is just kind of how they're going to be. They're going to be bottom of the the East. Um, Kalen Laybourne doing what he, he's been doing all year, what Rasheen Ali did all of last year. Um, I can't say I was terribly surprised or, you know, left with any resonating real thoughts um, throughout this game because I felt like Louisiana was in, was in control for a good, you know, most of the game. Yeah, I mean, both of these teams uh, up until this point in the year have gone through periods of being offensively challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Marshall obviously has sort of struggled with throwing the football uh, and, and Louisiana, you know, we've talked about their struggles, both, you know, it, it seems like with Louisiana, they'll do something really well one week and then the next week they can't do it at all. You mm-hmm. know, so it was like, you know, one week they'll have Chris Smith go over a hundred yards rushing on like nine carries. And then the next time they play Ben Woldridge leads the team with 45 yards on the ground. Now he did throw the ball well enough for them to come out and win this game. And their defense looked good. I mean, holding Marshall to just 276 yards, uh, they forced two Marshall turnovers. Uh, one of those uh, being an interception, I believe, that was thrown by Columby. Yep. Um, Marshall men combined between two quarterbacks through for 137 yards, which is it's almost it's hard to do unless you are a triple option football team to throw for under 150 yards. I feel like in a game. 
No, that's it's pretty tough to do uh, between the two quarterbacks. They were averaging six point two yards per attempt, which is you know on the lower end. It's not obscenely low, but that's definitely on the low end. Um, I mean, it's just Marshall wasn't giving either of their quarterbacks a chance to throw the ball. They threw the ball only twenty two times to forty four rushes. And obviously, when you've got a guy like Laybourne who can handle twenty five plus carries throughout the game, it makes sense. But I mean, that is an obscenely low number. Um, of uh, of yards just because they weren't letting their guys throw the ball. Uh, neither guy was, you know, wildly inefficient. Columby only four in completions, Fancher only two. So it's just they know they've got a guy in Laybourne and they're going to let him eat. Yeah, I mean, I think you made a good point with the uh, the yards uh, per attempt uh, or, or average yards uh, between them being only 6.2. I think it's more they were efficient. They just weren't pushing the ball down the football field. And that's sort of what killed them is they don't, they don't really seem to have that vertical aspect to their game that can, you know, take the top off the defense. Obviously Laybourne has not suffered because of it, but mm-hmm. it is costing them the, the ability to win football games. I mean, especially when you look now they're Owen two in conference play. Uh, I believe they get an angry James Madison uh, in Virginia next weekend so best of luck with that uh but yeah they're they're just going to struggle as long as they can't throw the football because i mean we've talked about it for better or worse like the sunbelt is a vertical passing conference for the Mm -hmm. most part i mean the top teams can do that so yeah i mean i mean it's going to be tough uh marshall has struggled with the quarterback position the last couple years i mean Ever since Grant Wells was a freshman and had a pretty good freshman season, he regressed and then he moved on to Virginia Tech where he doesn't look any better than he did when he was struggling the last time he suited up for Marshall. So, yeah, like we said, they're going to they're going to have a a rough time of it. But like you said, also, you know, good win for Louisiana. They sort of stay a little bit in the mix. I mean, they still have to hope South Alabama, I believe, drops three conference games with a with a tiebreaker. They'd have to the drop Jaguars. three because they, yep, because uh, Louisiana lost to Southern uh, or USA just a week ago or two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. So either way, uh, you know, always good to pick up your first conference win of the season. Louisiana does just that, moving to three and three this season. One and two in Sun Belt play. Marshall drops to three and three, and zero oh and two in conference play. Uh, so I'm gonna get go ahead and jump into Saturday's slate. Uh, Old Dominion, a huge upset of Coastal Carolina, who Coastal, along with James Madison, looked like the the favorites to to top, you know, the East. But Old Dominion, look, we've talked about their offensive, uh, I mean, also offensive struggles. You know, mm-hmm. um, the I think the we we've talked about it for multiple weeks now. Besides Ollie Jennings the third, they needed someone else who could do something with the football because Hayden Wolf was just, I mean, that was pretty much his guy and that was it. Now, if you told me going into this game that old dominions, Blake Watson was going to run for 256 yards and three scores and average 14 yards of carry. I would have said, okay, well then old dominion probably wins that game because I don't know if, the, if I have this correct. I'm fairly sure he ran for more yards in this game than he has all season to this point. Um, um yeah. So I if my if I'm crunching these numbers right, he had 255 up to uh up to this game against Coastal and then 256. So bested his uh four game total by 1 yard. So literally doubled his yardage for the season in one game. Mm-hmm. Um and and I said this a couple weeks ago when Coastal played Georgia Southern Coastal's defense does not look like it wants to tackle guys. Like even when they play inferior opponents, like they don't look like they're excited to go wrap someone up and bring them to the ground. They're kind of just doing that thing where they put the shoulder into the guy and hope he falls down. So yeah, yeah, Blake Watson took full advantage of that. What did, what did you kind of take away from this game? I mean, obviously that a huge upset. No, other than the huge upset and like we've, we've been saying, I mean, Old Dominion's been missing that second dimension to the offense. And I mean, Blake Watson, have yourself a day, young man. 
I don't think 256 yards on 18 carries is sustainable, but you know, if you're at least running the ball well, you're going to win more football games. And that's what Old Dominion has been missing. Um, uh, To your point about the inability to tackle, I mean, I think that's what happens when you get a coach like Chadwell. And, you know, he's a great coach, but, you know, he's an offensive guy. And he's made a career of himself having his cutesy offensive scheme that, you know, got Coastal up the rankings a couple years ago. But as I tweeted out, I mean, Coastal hasn't won a game since the Georgia Tech job became available. And I, if you're paying any attention, to, if you're paying any attention to the Georgia Tech job hunt, Chadwell's the name that's circling most. I mean, guy clearly does not want to play in Atlanta because this team has been struggling over the past few weeks. Um, and I mean, McCall's not playing miserably. Uh, you know, the running backs are. You know, they're running the ball well enough. It's just, I mean, forty nine points, man. It's Old Dominion, and you're letting forty nine points go. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say, I I do think, I mean, clearly Blake Watson at the game of his life, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think either of us are are disputing that. I do think it is a lot on Coastal and their inability to a stop the run or or really any any opposing offense. Like, if you watched them this year, you know they struggled with Gardner Webb and, and mm-hmm. teams like that. Um, so. Uh, I mean, they have sort of felt like, and I, I'm full disclosure, you know, hand up. I picked them to win the East. I mean, I, I'm still sticking with that because James Madison can't make the title game. And who, who else do you feel confident about in the East, really, other than mm-hmm. those two teams? Uh, but they have felt like they have been on a cliff, like hanging off by a thread. Uh, for much of this season waiting to take that first loss now maybe maybe they learn from this and sort of overcome it and and point out what they need to do to improve or like you said chadwell may have a foot out the door uh, and be looking to to move his his family to atlanta to take the uh the yellow jackets job but either way i mean like i said you, you know old dominion has not been an offensive force this season. The games that they've mm-hmm. won, I mean, I think we said before this game, they were averaging like 21 points a game, like as a football team. It wasn't like they were lighting up teams left and right. So to so to give up 525 total yards to Old Dominion is tough. Uh, if you're a Chanticleers fan, it's tough. Because I, I know what you were saying about Chadwell and his, and his offense and all that kind of stuff. A couple of years ago, you know, 2020, their defense was very good, mm-hmm. you know, despite all that. Uh, they, their defense was – they had all the linebackers, I believe. I believe the guy's name was Gallagher, the one that had the mullet. Uh, I remember seeing that guy a lot during the COVID year, especially when they beat like B, – or they played BYU and stuff. Um, yep. But, yeah, I mean, Teddy Gallagher, that was his name. Um but yeah, they they just don't seem defensively like the same football team, and it kind of everything falls on the shoulders of Grayson McCall to go out there and win games because they didn't run the ball very well in this game either. So they're literally looking at him, being like, "All right, you need to bail us out." But they still ran the ball forty two times in a game they lost by t- four touchdowns. So I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand some of the play calling decisions they make either. Uh, so with that, Coastal drops to six and one, three and one in conference play. Old Dominion moves to three and three and is first in the East as of this standing because they have yet to lose a conference game. They're two and zero oh in Sunbelt play. Yeah. Uh, getting into our next game here, number twenty-five, James Madison came into Statesboro. Um, Zeke, I don't know if you're aware of this. I. Georgia Southern has been shaky. This isn't the part that I know you're not aware of. Mm-hmm. Georgia Southern's been shaky the last couple of years. I'm not I'm not arguing with that. Yeah. However, there has been a history going back to the Chad Lunsford era, like pre-2021, of ranked teams like App coming into Statesboro and falling immediately. So Georgia Southern keeps that same mentality going in this one and defeats 
James Madison 45-38. The funny thing about this game was nothing changed with Georgia Southern from the previous, defensively especially, from the previous couple weeks. It was Mm -hmm. just, they played a little better on offense. They forced some turnovers, which was huge. But defensively, I mean, they gave up 675 yards. So this was a great offensive performance. Van Tree set the single game Sunbelt passing record with 578. But defensively, this is the the same old team that's been around all season. They have to score 40 plus to win games. And that's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, as you and I talked about last week, we did not anticipate. We both thought that this was going to be an offensive explosion from James Madison. And that's what that's what it was. 675 total offensive yards. Um, but I, I think notably about this game is that if you look at the the box score and the play by play, this game wasn't even as close as the final score indicates, right? Because on Centeo's three interceptions, I don't think Southern scored a single point. Uh, Centeo throws a pick, Southern misses a field goal. He throws another pick, a punt. He throws a third pick, it's the end of the game. You know? So mm-hmm. reminiscent of almost uh, when Southern was playing State, and State could have made Southern pay for their interceptions more and didn't. I. Uh, it was Southern to just like offensively, they were like, ah, we don't need these points. Um, if Santeo doesn't throw those picks, I think James Madison wins this game. Um, you know, handedly, they probably score at least two touchdowns and now you're up seven points. Um, the biggest takeaway was just like Southern did not let their foot off the gas. Um, and that's been my biggest gripe about um, App State, who didn't play this week. But uh, my biggest gripe about App State is that App State's been giving us three quarters of football. Southern, they, it took them a while to get into gear, but between, I mean, they were scoring two touchdowns per quarter in the second, third, and fourth quarter. And that is indicative to me of a really good football team, especially when you're playing a better opponent is playing for a uh, super strong, super solid, um, especially offensively, uh, quarters of football. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say something when you said App was giving us three quarters of football. I was like, if that. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they gave us three quarters against Texas State. I think we you know, you could make an uh, argument that on their uh, bye week, we've seen more football from them this over the bye week than we have throughout the course of a full game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so this game, I, I agree with the point clearly about the Centeo picks. Um, mm-hmm. I missed the first quarter of this game. I was off doing something else. Um, but I, I tuned in beginning in the second quarter and when I have just felt so strongly about the way that James Madison's looked this season, that when Centeo scored a t- on a, on a run in the early second quarter to make it 14, nothing Dukes, I was like, all right, that's it. You know, I was like, Georgia Southern's done this thing all year where they don't start off games hot and Eventually, you're going to play a team, and they've they, it's already happened once before with the UAB game, but eventually you're going to play a team where you can't just spot them a bunch of points to start a game and hope that it's just all going to work out, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but then, you know, they score two touchdowns in, you know, two minutes of game time in the second quarter, and then, boom, it's 14-14, and we've got ourselves a football game, and from there... I mean, Centeo looks good, but like you said, it's like he throws he throws a couple picks that Georgia Southern doesn't capitalize on, but it kills James Madison's drives. Like yeah. they're in the middle of trying to drive, and it's just it, nothing's happening. I mean, you know, they scored what in relatively in a game where there's you know seventy some seventy some odd points or eighty some odd points combined. When you score thirteen between the second and third quarter or or sorry 17 like mm-hmm. that is not a lot especially when georgia southern's putting up let's see 14 there 14 20 31 points between those quarters so uh, yeah it's just and then centeo his last pick came on uh the last possession when they were driving trying to tie the game up 45 45 anthony wilson picks him off with 18 seconds to go that's mm-hmm. that's the ball game 
but I, but the real difference maker in here was uh you know the Amari Jones plays I mean he catches two touchdowns seven seven catches 164 in this game uh they just didn't really have an answer for Amari Jones and and also Georgia Southern just didn't try to run the ball in this game they had 11 attempts the whole game um but they had three receivers go over 100 yards each Brian uh yeah So, yeah, I mean, Georgia Southern had three receivers go over uh, 100 yards each, and then Derwin Burgess had 84 uh, yards in this game. And then, like I said, they just they didn't try to run the football. So they had 11 attempts in the entire game and threw 64 times Kyle Van Trees did. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, great win, clearly. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I... I did what I said I was going to do in the last episode. I drove to Indiana. I put in three Sunbelt bets and went two and one. But this was my, this was the one I missed on. Uh, The other two that I actually hit, uh, I bet Texas state and Troy under that one hit. And then I had an Arkansas state my uh, plus four. So yeah. Uh, But other than that, uh, Georgia Southern moves to four and three this season, picks up their first conference win, one and two in Sunbelt play. James Madison drops to five and one and three and one in conference play. Uh, let's get into the next game here that I, I kind of just mentioned. Texas State played Troy in a game that was very close, very low scoring. Troy was able to move the ball quite a bit with 400 yards of total offense, but they can't. They have a tr- they have trouble cashing in. Uh, in the red zone and that's how you end up you know keeping it within a three-point game with texas state yeah um obviously after beating excuse me after beating app state last week i mean it's hard to say that there's a such thing as a good loss but dude texas state to hold troy to only lose this game by three i think um you know our talks with spavadol you know is he going to live another day, live another day? The dude's going to coast the rest of the season, I think, purely because, I mean, you give a five at the at that point, four and two, now five and two Troy team, this much trouble. You keep them out of the, uh, the red zone, as you talked about. I mean, 406 offensive yards, but only uh, two touchdowns. Um, you do that, and I think Spav lives another day. I thought Lane Hatcher played... You know, well enough to keep them in the game. Running backs, uh, Lincoln Pop Pair. Is it Pair? Um, I think it's Paré. You know, is it Paré? One of those uh, Southern names. Paré. <laughs> I mean, he, he rushed, and I, I mean, heck, he even caught for 71, uh, 71 yards out of the backfield. So, I mean, Texas State just put together like an offensive good enough that we haven't seen from them all year, out, excluding the App State game. And defensively, uh, I mean, they held Troy to 17, which, you know, Hold Troy to 17. That's enough to give him a game. Right. Uh, I, I mean, both of us agree Troy's got a really good defense. Uh, yeah. But they're sort of in the same boat, it feels like. Not as as bad, but they're sort of in the same boat, it feels like, as Marshall, where mm-hmm. they're only going to go as far as their quarterback play takes them. And they, they're doing this two-quarterback system with Gunnar Watson and Jarrett Dagey. Uh, Daggy helped them overcome Western Kentucky a couple weeks ago. They played him last week, um, and Daggy didn't play very well, uh, even though they beat Southern Miss. And then in this one, Watson gets the start and throws for 240, one touchdown and one pick. But Daggy still comes in and goes four of six for 59 yards and a touchdown. I, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is with Troy's offense. Truly. It seems mm-hmm. like everything is pointed in the right direction. Like they get yards. Clearly they have a great defense, but I don't know. I don't know if they just have trouble converting in the red zone or like what, what really the issue is like this, this math equation is not adding up. So yeah, um, yeah they're going to need, I mean, they are three and one in conference play. Okay. I will, I will grant them that. Um, and technically they, I mean, not technically, they are in the race in the West with, uh, South Alabama. I mean, 
they have a showdown coming up this week to see who kind of takes full control of the West. But yeah, I, I just, I have a hard time betting on Troy when I know that their quarterback situation is shaky and either one of these guys, Watson or Daigie could come in and play in a pinch, but then you also don't really have like a full-time starter. You know what I mean? It's bizarre to me because like, it's clear Watson is only a junior, although he's been playing college football for five years. Daigie is a senior, but he's a six-year senior. Um, so it's clear that they want to give the keys to Gunnar Watson. Um, but they just keep falling back on Daigie, who spent he spent three years at West Virginia, spent two years at Bowling Green before that. It's like they're using Daigie as this safety net. Um, I'm just I'm not a firm believer of that. If you're going to give the keys to Watson, let him have it. Let him drive the car. Um, I, I try to think of some sort of example of this where we we th- uh, see this another. Um, I mean, it'd be like if the the Steelers, right? They just announced Kenny Pickett is uh, the starter, right? And it's just like, oh, in crunch time, we're going to give it back to Mitch Trubisky. I think the Dolphins did that with Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick a couple years back. And ultimately, well, that's a no-win situation. Well, just a couple of things here uh, before we kind of get back to this. But number one, uh, Pickett had a concussion, so he got pulled from that game. No, uh, I re- I'm injured. saying if it hadn't been the injury. Yeah, but... Uh, they were really, really saying, here you go. I've got a Sunbelt I've got a Sunbelt example for you involving sure. Lane Hatcher from the last two seasons. Two years ago, he's at Arkansas State. He plays uh, alongside Logan Bonner, mm-hmm. and he is statistically so much better than Logan Bonner, but they just wouldn't turn the keys over to him. Um, there, I don't know what the reason was. I, I don't know if Blake Anderson just really liked Logan Bonner as a person or what it was, but so, so then Anderson leaves for the Utah state job, takes Bonner with him. Okay, fine. They can have their love affair over on the West coast, whatever they want to do last year. You got Butch Jones comes in. He's got James Blackman and Lane Hatcher. Once again, James Blackman's turning the ball over a ton last year. Lane Hatcher was pretty good. Statistically, that team was just a dumpster fire and they just kept, juggling them because he clearly wanted James Blackman to play, but Lane Hatcher was better than him. So he felt, I guess, compelled to put him in. So this has specific examples of in this, within this conference of it, not working. And Mm -hmm. we're seeing it right now play out again with Troy. We're seeing it play out again with Marshall. If you, it truly is. If you don't have, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one because if you can't settle on one guy, it's going to hurt you in the long run. And I think yeah. that Troy is going to – I know Troy has their issues on offense. I think they will suffer for, from this long term, um, not being able to either stick with Watson or Dakey. I think if Watson's going to be your guy next year and he's coming back another season, I think I think you just got to go with it and, and, I, and with all the bumps and bruises that come with it. I think that's a big if because where's Lane Hatcher right now? He's at Texas State. He left Arkansas State. Obviously, it's because they chose Blackman over him. But if I'm Gunnar Watson, are you guys going to give me the keys or not? Sounds like no, I'm going to go elsewhere. And next year, Troy's left without a quarterback. Maybe. I mean, we'll we'll have to see how that all plays out. But regardless, uh, Texas State played well, like you said, uh, you know, I, I don't believe in moral victories, but in San Marcos the last two weeks, I mean, they've been playing head and shoulders better football than they had the previous, what, four weeks leading mm-hmm. up to this. So credit to them for that. Credit to Spavadol for actually keeping them competitive. I mean, he won last week. He was competitive in this game. Credit to him for kind of turning this around. Hopefully this is the start of better things to come because we were just looking for signs of life <laughs> before yeah. before the last couple of weeks. I mean, we were like, are the Bobcats alive? Can someone check on them? Can we get a wellness mm-hmm. check? So, yeah. So Troy moves to five and two with the win, three and one in conference play. Texas State drops to three and four and one and two in conference play. Um, getting into this next game, you want to talk about another team keeping it close and getting, you know, what would be considered a, a moral victory 
UL Monroe lost the game, clearly. But you got a couple of pros coming from this. Number one, Chandler Rogers absolutely lit up the Jaguars. He threw for 371, four touchdowns, one pick. They've played now Coastal and South Alabama the last two weeks down to the wire. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought I think South Alabama is a really good football team. Um, I think Carter Bradley has been really good at quarterback for them. But between UL Monroe having Chandler Rogers play well, Tyrone Howell, their receiver, played outstanding in this game. 244 yeah. and three touchdowns. Are you kidding me? I, I mean, maybe this is something, again, for the Bowden squad to to build off of. The wins aren't there, but they are in games, which is more than they have been historically. Yeah, you mentioned Howell. I was going to bring him up because, I mean, like Blake Watson, Tyrone Howell going into this game, I mean, he had, you know, 200 and change yards all season, and then he drops 240 on nine receptions. Uh, I mean, absolutely astounding from him. Um, like you were saying, I moral victories, this and that, yippee yap. I, it's just like, UL Monroe's been playing very good football for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even against Arkansas State, you can say that they weren't playing poorly. And then you go back and they beat Louisiana. I mean, we're looking at a team that two years ago was winless. And now, again, one in three over this stretch. But they've played four straight weeks of very good football against, you know, three of the harder teams in the conference. And I think we need to start having a discussion. Is UL Monroe like a year away from being a year away? Um, I, I was a big fan of the Bowden hire. Um, last year, I thought he was going to win uh, Coach of the Year in the Sun Belt um, after turning that program as much as he did, you know, from zero to I think like three or four wins. Even that much was a, a huge improvement in my eyes. And I, I stand by, I think I was an, absolutely the right hire for Monroe. And I'm just incredibly impressed by what he's had um, been able to do in such short time uh, with the Warhawks. Yeah, for sure. Um so we, uh, even though we, you know, you on Monroe played fairly well, we don't want to forget about the South Alabama side of things. Carter yep. Bradley played fantastic in this four to 420 yards, three scores. Uh, he had three. He also had three receivers go over a hundred yards each. Uh, my, one of my breakout picks, Jalen Wayne in this one went five catches, one twenty-seven, and two touchdowns. Um, and I mean, the the final score, I mean, UL Monroe scored with five minutes in the game to pull within seven. So they sort of had an, an, a route to make this more competitive. Uh, but this game was effectively over when Marco Lee, their running back, when the Jaguars running back punched in a five-yard score with 14.55 left in the fourth because they had a three-touchdown lead over ULM. Now... Mm-hmm. We were giving credit to ULM and and we do deserve they do deserve credit for not just throwing in the towel, but South Alabama's still really good. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the defense didn't really show up. Uh the past defense especially didn't really show up in this one. But Chandler Rogers has played really well the last couple of weeks, and he seems like he's caught fire. So just being able to kind of hold off the Warhawks is a, is a testament in, in itself just because of, of what we said, you know, how they've been playing so far. Yeah. Um, uh, no, not much to add. I think, I mean, as we'll talk about in a little bit, this game for South Alabama next week is really going to determine um, if they're going to win the West or not. But right now they're looking like the most complete team and without it question, the best team in the West right now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I I would I would venture as far to say they may be the most complete team in the conference as of right now. I mean, you you they they're undefeated. They haven't lost a conference game. 
They're in the weaker division, which we both talked about mm-hmm. before. Um, you know, you could say, oh, their pass defense didn't play very well. Okay, did Coastal's pass defense play play very well this past week? I mean, did their defense play well at all? Uh, did James Madison's pass defense play per- very well? No, they yeah. had a, a guy put up an all-time performance against him. So, I, I mean, again, credit to them for winning where these other two teams that we thought were kind of at the top of the mountain with them lost. So, yeah, yeah South Alabama moves to 5-1 and one this season, 2-0 and oh in Sunbelt play. UL Monroe drops to 2-5 and five and 1-3 and three in conference play. Uh, getting into the last game of the night, uh, Southern Miss... Uh, held off Arkansas State. Uh, it took two fourth quarter touchdowns, one by Frank Gore Jr. and one by Janari Dean. Uh, but you, uh, Southern Miss came back from down 19 to 7 to come back and win this game. When I saw the score was 19 to 7, I thought Southern Miss was cooked, man, to be totally honest with you. Uh, we've talked about their de- their offensive challenges so far this season um but credit to the golden eagles for for staying in this game and and frank gore played well uh zach wilkie continues to be up and down but they did enough to win this game clearly their defense must be f- very very solid if they held arkansas state to 19 points cuz arkansas state's one of those you know, throw it all over the yard type teams. But this is a good win for Southern Miss, especially when you consider kind of how it happened, uh, you know, and and just being able to come back. I mean, according to ESPN, uh, their like win probability chart, Arkansas State had a 60% chance of winning this game uh, with, uh, what was it, 247 left. Um and and Southern Miss was able to to hold on and and pull it out. So again, credit to the Golden Eagles, man. I mean, they, it wasn't pretty, but they got it done. Yeah, I mean, it was a entertaining football game. You get that uh, big comeback, big storm back in the in the se- in the fourth quarter, not just the second half, the fourth quarter. Um, but like it was a uh, this game belonged on Thursday night. It was just a whole heap of meh football. As you mentioned, Wilkie was mediocre. Frank Gore finally had a good game after, you know, the past couple of weeks of just being dog water. Um, Blackman, you know, wasn't exceptional. He passed for 236 yards, but I mean, I didn't think anything he did was absolutely astounding. This was just like the definition of mediocre. And oh, congrats, Southern Miss. You got this win. You won 19 to 20 against Arkansas State. Like, uh, this is just. When you look at those box scores, you mentioned you got to tip your cap to the Golden Eagles defense, but like I can't identify why it is Arkansas State wasn't able to score as much as they did. Their offensive well, statistics looked just absolutely pedestrian, and neither team had a, a commanding time of possession. So I just like it seemed like Arkansas State wasn't in it, and which makes me uh, question how much Southern Miss actually uh, halted. Butch Jones and the Red Wolves. Well, uh, whether that whether their offense, whether uh, Arkansas State's offense w- just wasn't clicking or whatever, I mean, we know Arkansas State doesn't run the football. Mm-hmm. You know, they had thirty-one carries for fifty yards. They averaged one point six yards per attempt. Now, obviously, ESPN that I'm taking these stats from factors in James Blackman's sacks as yardage. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but their lack of running game is what's going to kill them in games like this. Because when you're giving a guy in Johnny Lang 18 carries and he averages 2.6 yards a carry and his longest runs 11 yards, you can't salt games away on the ground when you're up 19 to seven, you know? So Mm -hmm. they're forced to continue to throw. If James Blackman isn't pushing the ball down the field and scoring points, I mean, he averaged 6.9 yards per attempt in this one. I mean, that's not overwhelming, especially when you consider he only threw for 236. So, yeah, I mean, I have to give credit to Southern Miss's defense for for holding James Blackman to under, you know, 250, considering how many times they throw the ball. 
but Arkansas State, I mean, we've talked about it. They just there's no balance on that offense, man. They yeah. they don't even ha- they don't have the ability to run the football when they need to. It's not like Georgia Southern was this week where it's like, okay, we had 11 carries and then the Eagles just gave up trying to run the football. Like Arkansas State cannot run the football. They they do not block well on the offensive line when it comes to running. They don't have guys that can break big gains out of the backfield. I mean, it this is a a true, you know, I guess air raid for lack of a better term, but that's going to end up killing you when you have a two-score lead and you just need to bleed clock and take time mm-hmm. off the clock. They just can't do it. So maybe maybe Butch Jones eventually gets this figured out, but we're we're one and a half seasons in, man, and it's not it doesn't look any better than it did when he first started, really. Yeah, uh, so Southern Miss moves to three and three this season and one and one. They pick up their first ever Sunbelt Conference win. Arkansas State drops to two and five and now is one and three in conference play. Uh, so let's get into this week's slate of games. Zeke, your Georgia State Panthers uh, are traveling to Boone to take on Appalachian State. Uh, App is a 10-point favorite in this one. What do you kind of think about this game? So the biggest thing that, like, my... Something that uh, interests me about this game, obviously, outside of being the team that I cover, is that both of these teams are coming off of their bye week. Neither App nor Georgia State played last week. And uh, I think that presents a unique just, like, football perspective because... Neither team has that like leg up. Oh, we had an extra week break. You both had the extra week break, which means you'll both be a little sharper, both be able to identify, you know, defensive packages a little quicker, um, be able, you know, pick up on offensive calls a little easier, um, which I think from just like a pure football perspective is really, really interesting and um, means that this game, obviously it'll be the only game on a Wednesday. What else are you watching on a Wednesday? Um, But I I think will be worth watching um, primarily for that reason. Um, that said, App State throws the ball very well, uh, as you've said at length before, and uh, I've agreed with full hard, wholeheartedly. Chase Bryce is an, a very, a very, very, very good quarterback. Um, and I'm reminded of his game against Texas State last week, or I guess it was two weeks ago at this point, where he uh, passed for almost 400 yards on 40 completions. He's going to do that again against Georgia State, and he's going to throw for three touchdowns, maybe four. Um, and it's just going to be a matter of can App State do that early enough in the game so that when they inevitably sputter out after two and a half quarters or three quarters, as we talked about earlier, will they have built a big enough lead so that um, Georgia State won't be able to surmount a comeback? Um, with that said, I think the biggest um, – the reason that State has been so – Georgia State, rather, um, has been so successful over the past two weeks against Southern and Army is because they got the run game to move. And App State doesn't really allow a lot of rushing yards. Uh, as a team, only 122 uh, rushing yards allowed per game, which, I mean, if Georgia State's only able to rush for that many yards, as we've talked about before, Darren Granger is not capable of making up that extra 100 yards. You know, he'll throw for 100, but if the rushing game is um, only running for 100, you still need 100 some on yards if you want to compete in a game, right? 300 is roughly, 300 is roughly a magic number. Um, and Granger's not capable of that. So it's going to really be how quickly can App State get out in front um, and how effective will Georgia State be or how much will App State be able to suppress Georgia State on the ground. Um, You mentioned the pick, uh, spread, minus 10 for App State. Uh, I would take App State here just because I think that um, the Panthers don't have the – the horsepower within their offense, although they dropped 41 last week, 31 the week prior. I don't think they have the the horsepower to keep up with App State. Yeah, I think you did a good job of of kind of getting into the the meat of this game. I, I'm going to go very surface level with this. Uh, App State owns mm-hmm. Georgia State in this series. Yeah. Uh, Georgia State's never beaten App. App is 8-0 since uh, entering the conference in 2014. I don't know what sometimes there's just things like this where it's just like one team has the other team's number and there's not really like a reason for it, but it feels like this could happen again where 
Georgia State had a, both teams had a week off, like you mentioned. Georgia State is coming off of a win two weeks ago against Georgia Southern. Uh, App State is coming off of a huge loss to t- Texas State. You talked a little bit about Chase Bryce. Uh, I don't know if you remember last week when we talked about that Texas State App State game. Chase Bryce, until late in the game when it was out of reach, had only thrown for like two hundred some odd yards and no touchdowns before he threw that pick six. And then all of a sudden he just went into garbage time mode and just threw a bunch of touchdowns and yards and stuff. But it was, the game was essentially over. So with that, that I do think app wins this game. Uh, I, like I said, for some reason, I don't really understand why some teams just have other teams numbers. And I think app just kind of has Georgia state's number. Uh, and I think there's, there's a lot of angry app state fans right now who are not happy with Sean Clark, uh, not happy with Chase Bryce, even though, like you said, he's got good numbers, peripheral numbers, but the wins, especially in the conference, have not been there. I mean, they're one and two in conference play. So I think they sort of get back on track here with the win over Georgia State and muddle up the Sun Belt East even more than it already is muddled by making everybody, you know, save for a couple of teams like Old Dominion and James Madison, but this is just going to be another yep. school that has multiple Sun Belt losses on the resume in Georgia State. So I like App State to win this one as well. Um, that one is a 7.30 Eastern time kickoff on Wednesday night. So getting into Thursday night, we have, I think, besides App James Madison, I think this is this is in contention right there for Sun Belt game of the year. Especially if you if you're a West, you know, fan of a Western school, uh, Troy travels to Mobile to take on South Alabama. South Alabama is a three point favorite at home over under 47 and a half. I have to take South Alabama. I, I, there's there is a real shot that Troy's defense shows up and comes up big and is able to slow down Carter Bradley. But with that said, I don't trust their offense, Troy's offense. I don't trust their quarterback situation. They they don't run the ball overwhelmingly well. I mean, it's just kind of like it is what it is. So they have to hope that their defense makes this another ugly, you know, 17-14 type game that they made, they played last week against uh, Texas State. But South Alabama is so much more offensively talented than Texas State is. So I'm going to take the Jaguars here. What do you think? Uh, I think I like that take as well. Um, what I'm even more in love with, though, is the over-under, 47.5. I think both I, – I don't just think. I know both of these teams play play very, very good defense, um, and I think it's very feasible that that under hits. Um, I could see this final being uh, similar to the Texas State uh, game Troy played last week where it's, you know, 20 to 17, 17 to 19, somewhere in that realm. Um but if we haven't said it explicitly today, I mean, this is going to be the Western Division Championship game, you know. And I know it's only week seven or so, seven or eight. But like, I mean, this is as close as it's going to get, barring a, a complete fall apart from either of these programs. The winner of this game is probably going to go and play, probably coastal in the in the Sun Belt Championship game. Um, so I, I think this is a a huge game and it'll be uh, obviously large for uh, South Alabama to have the uh, the home field advantage in this one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just think the Jaguars have too much on offense and I think Troy will be able to contain them a little bit, but I don't think Troy's offense can answer when South Alabama does score. So that's, that's sort of my trepidation uh, with Troy is just picking these teams that really struggle on offense to win games, you're just hoping they get into a, you know, like I said, 17-14 rock fight every week. And, and yeah. the, you just never know when some team's just going to pop off and score 28, and then Troy's looking around like, hey, where where are these points going to come from? So we'll have to see how that one plays out. Uh, so starting on Saturday, beginning at noon Eastern, UL Monroe is traveling to West Point, New York to take on Army. Army is a seven-point favorite, but Army has not been good this year. Uh, They have yet Mm -hmm. to beat an FBS opponent. 
in the year 2022. Uh, they have lost to Coastal, UTSA, Georgia State, and Wake Forest. Their two wins are over Villanova and Colgate. Um, so, I mean, when, when your best win is over a toothpaste brand, um, it's going <laughs> to be tough for me to pick you. So I will take the Warhawks plus seven. Um, they may not win this game, but I think they keep it close. I don't, I don't see a way that Army is just runs them off the field with the team that Army is sort of fielding this year. Yeah, Army, for some reason, and I guess as an independent, you can do whatever you want, is playing four Sunbelt games this year, and it's, uh, it's likely they lose all four because I've got Monroe in this one. I think Chandler Rogers, especially uh, with how he played against South Alabama last week, uh, I, I think Monroe's going to cover the seven-point spread, let alone win money line. Um, it's just like, there, as you mentioned, I mean, look at the rest of the schedule. Is, is UL Monroe significantly worse than Georgia State or UTSA or Coastal? These teams that Army is also lost to? Yeah, they may be worse, but I don't think they're that much worse that it makes up for the gap between UTSA and Villanova or Georgia State and Colgate. So just based on like how Army's performed all year, um, I think I think Chandler Rogers is going to have another great game. I think he's going to pass for another couple hundred yards, and uh, Monroe's going to come out of this one uh, three and five. Yeah. Uh, so getting into our next game here, uh, this is a 3.30 Eastern time kick. Uh, best of luck, Marshall, because you have to play James Madison coming off of a loss at home. Now they're at home in Harrisonburg. Um, James Madison is almost a two-touchdown favorite, 13 points. I think James Madison comes back and, and makes a statement against a team that has trouble moving the football. Um, if you look at the two games that the Sun Belt teams have given James Madison issues, it was App and Georgia Southern, both, both schools that can score points offensively. That is not... That's not what Marshall does. Marshall's not an offensive powerhouse. So with that mm-hmm. said, I think the Dukes take this one. Um, I just feel like this is a bad matchup for Marshall, even if they weren't having uh, offensive struggles. Uh, they just, the, James Madison just does a lot of things really well. And Marshall's defense is okay, but it's not like, oh my gosh, like they're definitely going to, be right it's not like troy where you're like oh well they could maybe do some stuff and stop james madison it's just like it's a bad matchup all around it's a marshall's a bad off offense that just runs the football and tries to keep the other offense off the field if james madison scores twice marshall's in a hole and then you're banking on henry columby or cam fancher or somebody like that to dig you out of it and i just don't i don't see that happening yeah take this number with a grain of salt because this includes uh Games against App and Arkansas State, who love to throw a ball and uh, throw the ball in a game against Norfolk, which was a sixty-three to seven loss. But James Madison is allowing opponents thirty-seven rushing yards per game. Thirty-seven, mind you. I, I think if you gave me fifty, ru- or not fifty, if you gave me you know ten, fifteen rushing attempts, I'm sure I could go out there and score thirty-seven rushing yards. <laughs> um, so it's just uh, Columby's going to need to play like I was hyping him up to at the beginning of the year and you know how he was kind of performing earlier in the year uh, when they were playing, when they upset Notre Dame, you know, and they took Bowling Green over time. But um, outside of just like an absolute collapse following the loss to Southern, I can't see James Madison uh, winning by any less than 13. I think, yeah, 13 straight is the spread and that feels fairly easy. But again, we said that about James Madison last week and look where we are. That's true. Um, however, I don't feel like Marshall does not have the ability to do what Georgia Southern did, which is just completely abandon the run and just throw the ball no, on the field. Don't. So that game plan, I don't know what Marshall, I guess Marshall's game plan is just like, we're going to come out and run the ball. And if we run into a brick wall, like it is what it is, but that game plan is not going to work. <laughs> I don't think like, I, I think Laybourne's very talented, James Madison's got a premier run defense. So, yeah, I, I just don't I don't see a way that Marshall's able to keep it 
super close, to be totally honest. Um, so getting into our next 3.30 game here, Georgia Southern is taking on Old Dominion in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, Old Dominion is a two-point favorite at home. Over-under is 66. I, I'll say this. I mean, we've talked before before last week's offensive explosion that Old Dominion had. We've talked before about Georgia Southern doesn't do a lot right defensively. And mm-hmm. if Blake Watson wants to come out and put up another 250 spot, Georgia Southern might make that happen because they give up 221 yards rushing per game. Um, teams are throwing the ball on them. Teams are running the ball on them. Old Dominion's defense statistically is not much better. Um, the one thing I'll say is if Old Dominion's defense like secondary can't slow down Van Trees or maybe force some turnovers, I think I think Georgia Southern wins this game. And I'm not trying to be like a homer, but it's just like I'm thinking about the style the matchup as far as like styles go. Like Old Dominion outside of last week has not looked great offensively. Um this season outside of, like I said, last week and defensively they're they're almost right there with Georgia Southern as being a bad defense. So I, I don't know, man, I think Georgia Southern wins this game. Like again, again, I'm not trying to be a homer, but like if you look at the games, Van Trees has lost as the quarterback, it's ones where he turns the ball over a bunch. And if he doesn't turn the ball over, I just don't see the way that outside of Blake Watson going nuclear again, I don't see a way that they generate enough offense to stay in it with Georgia Southern. Yeah, you mentioned that if Blake Watson goes nuclear, I think um, it's after with a one game sample size against Coastal, it's really easy to chalk it up to Blake Watson and the Monarchs right place, right time team, as you mentioned, doesn't really like to play like to tackle. Um, plays a little soft defensively, right place, right time for Watson and the Monarchs last week. This feels like a similar matchup for Southern, you know, and obviously now with a week of tape, you know, hey, maybe we got to watch out for this guy. Hey, we got to, you know, actually sit this guy down down instead of trying to push him with two arms, those sorts of things. But like, as you mentioned, Southern doesn't play great defense. Um, And I think, at the very least, they will allow Old Dominion to play a balanced game of offense more so than they have up until the Coastal game. Um, and so in terms of just like, you know, we called uh, Troy South Alabama game of the, possibly game of the year and definitely the game of the West um, of the West Conf or West Division. I think this is just like the East matchup to really watch because I think Old Dominion where it's really going to be, was it a fluke last week or did they actually figure something out? Yeah, I do think this is going to be a good measuring stick game for them, for both teams, really. I mean, it's like Georgia Southern Mm -hmm. started their conference uh, slate off with losses to State and Coastal. Old Dominion has started hot uh, in the conference, beating, you know, Coastal last week and then Arkansas State a couple weeks ago. Um but yeah, I mean, maybe they've dis- maybe they've discovered that other element that we've previously talked about with Watson last week, and maybe they can kind of keep that momentum rolling. But we'll have to see. Um, like I said, either mm-hmm. team plays very good defense. Uh, the over under in this one sixty six. I'm kind of looking at the over a little bit, just because neither team plays all that much defense. Like if this one was forty two to thirty five again like Georgia Southern James Madison was last week, I wouldn't be shocked at all because neither team plays very much defense statistically. Um, All right. So getting into this next game, uh, five o'clock Louisiana is welcoming in Arkansas state Uh, over under is 52. UL is a six and a half point favorite. Arkansas state really struggling this year. Uh, They've lost Old Dominion. They've lost to James Madison. They've lost to Southern Miss. Uh, the only Sunbelt win they have thus far is uh, against UL Monroe a couple weeks back. I think Louisiana wins this one. I, I mean, this is a this is a square pick by me, but 
I think Louisiana wins this one by 10 points. I just think their defense is enough to kind of hem James Blackman in. And then we've talked about it like earlier. Arkansas State doesn't have a second dimension to their offense. They can't run the ball even if they want to. So they're just relying Mm -hmm. on James Blackman to do everything. And I, I don't see that playing out very well. Yeah, as we talked about earlier, I think we both just really liked what we saw from Louisiana against Marshall last week. And um, it, again, one game sample size, but it seems like they might beginning, be beginning to figure it out, right? DeStormo, I think he's got his feet wet. He's had his six games, right? You're halfway through a season. I think Louisiana might be on a better trajectory than they were when they were losing to Rice. You know, uh, so <laughs> I, I agree with you that Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, um, but so uh, I'm I'm with you that uh, um, Louisiana gets this take. Although, if we were to take the transitive property, which I absolutely love in sports, Arkansas State did beat ULM, and three four weeks ago, UL lost to ULM. Take that as you will. Okay. Uh, so five o'clock kick here. Last game of the night, uh, five o'clock Eastern Southern Miss is traveling to San Marcos. Uh, the golden Eagles are a two and a half point road favorite over unders 44 and a half. I don't know. I, I like maybe this is probably going to come back to bite me. I like what I've seen out of Texas state last couple weeks. Um, and Southern mm-hmm. Miss rallied last week to beat Arkansas state, but if you look at some of these other games, I mean, other than the Arkansas State win, the only time they've really looked good all season, Southern Miss, is when they played Tulane. And they really haven't brought that offensive performance to another game this year. Like, even last week, Will he still looks a little shaky. They have to come back from being down 12 points in the fourth quarter. I, I think Spavadol's teams sort of found something here. And I, I think they win this game. Is that is that crazy to say? No, that's not crazy to say. Uh, but what does give me pause in this game um, is that Texas State was only able to put up 14 against Troy. And again, as we've both conceded and I think is no, this isn't a hot take. Troy's one of the best, if not the best defenses um, in the conference. But the fact that they were able to only put up 14 um, – shows me that if Southern Miss can show up defensively even a little bit, they'll be able to cover their hide with their inability to do anything offensively. Um, And again, the counterpoint to that game is the App State game where Texas State dropped 36. Um, But based purely off of last week's performance, um, if Southern Miss shows up defensively even a little bit, uh, I'm worried that it may be able it it may let uh, Wilkie have a poor game, or it may you know let Frank Gore Jr. rush for under three yards per carry again and uh, still come out with some sort of win. Um, the line uh, is two and a half in Southern Miss's favor, and that feels appropriate to me. I like obviously you can't score half points, but I'm I'm looking at a push at minus two and a half. <laughs> Uh, well, it's going to be interesting to see how Southern Miss ends up scoring half a point, uh, to make, you know, obviously, make the final obviously. score 21 and a half to, you know, 19 <laughs> or whatever. Um, but yeah, so you, so you have Southern Miss winning this one, right? I do, but again, I, I don't know if I'm touching that line because it feels so, so apt. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that is our, uh, slate of games this week. Zeke, I know you're looking forward to your team playing App State and trying to get that elusive first win over the Mountaineers uh, on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there is there another game that that sort of catches your eye? I mean, we we talked about the game that might be the Sun Belt game of the year in the West, but yeah. So, what are you looking forward to? Um, I mean, obviously, it's gonna be that. Um that Thursday night game between Troy and uh, Southern Al or yeah, South Alabama. Um, first of all, thank God, just because we don't have to watch another horrendous week of Thursday night football, um, a break from what's been miserable in the NFL will be good to watch. But 
Um, out of the Saturday games, I do like the the Southern Old Dominion game because um, it's going to be a prove-it game for either side. It's going to be, hey, Southern, you beat James Madison. All right, you can you back it up? And same thing to Old Dominion. Like, hey, you guys sh- finally showed some signs of being a balanced offense. Is it legit or did you just catch Coastal on a bad week? Um, so I think um, outside of the Wednesday and Thursday games, Southern Old Dominion is going to be the one I'm keeping my eye on. Yeah, I think the same same here. I mean, obviously that's going to be a an important game just in the uh the outlook of the West uh this year. Um again, I don't want to sound like a homer when I say this, but like outside of that game, we really don't have a, like a lot of premier matchups. I I really like want to see if Georgia Southern or Old Dominion, one of these two teams can sort of cement themselves as you know, having gained some momentum in the East, you know, Georgia Southern comes off mm-hmm. that big win old dominions two and Oh, and Sunbelt play just crushed the team that we thought was, was the favorite in the East. Um, and even if, even if the Monarchs lose this game, they still hold the tiebreaker over coastal. Um, yeah, I, I want to see can old dominions offense do it again. One and two, can they, if Georgia Southern really opens it up and and just starts scoring points like they have the last couple weeks, or really the whole season outside of the UAB game, can Old Dominion kind of hold serve and stay in this game? Um, so those will be some things I'm looking for in that game. Zeke, as we sort of wrap up here, tell folks where they can find you on social media. Uh, yeah, Brian, I'm on Twitter at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-A-P-A-L. E R M O. That's where uh, you know we post about the podcast, post about uh, Georgia State stories. Uh, my Buffalo Bills had a big win, so my feed's flooded uh, with those posts as well. Brian, how about yourself? Yeah, uh, everybody can find me in my uh, Georgia Southern ramblings uh, at Watch the Stone. Um, that will do it for the Week Seven recap, Week Eight preview. This has been another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. 